Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ordinary people are seeing extraordinary things in our skies. But how has it changed those involved? From author Ryan Sprague, Somewhere in the Skies, a human approach to an alien phenomenon is a personal journey that also weaves together a story of stories, furiously pumping new blood into the heart of these mysteries, one experience at a time. Now available on Amazon in paperback and ebook. For more information, visit somewhereintheskies.com. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe... Here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. There's an attack coming. I need warriors. Just like a bat. I dig it. Let's do it. On my lead. Ride ain't over yet. My man. Yeah! What are your superpowers again? I'm rich. Hey guys, Ryan Sprague here, and today is a very special bonus episode where I sit down with two of my close friends and podcast colleagues, Nick Westermeyer and Chris Moss, hosts of the Two Dumb Dads podcast. And today we are reviewing the recent Warner Brothers and DC film, Justice League. Now, despite this film involving evil aliens, it doesn't really fit the mold of UFOs, which you're used to hearing. And that's because you are listening to a new edition of the show, where I bring guests on from time to time to review movies. We did this once before with the remake of the movie It. We had Andrew Sanford on. So this is something I'm really looking forward to doing moving forward with Somewhere in the Skies, is veering off every now and again and talking about something very close to my heart, and that is movies. As some of you may know or may not know, when I'm not podcasting or hunting UFOs, I am a professional film and stage writer. So cinema has a very special place in my heart. And so do comic books. Batman in particular. So as you'll be able to tell in this review, I am very passionate about the Caped Crusader and superhero films in general. And so are my guests Nick and Chris. I think it goes without warning, but this is an extremely spoil-heavy review. So if you haven't seen the movie yet and plan on it, you may want to wait till after to give this episode a listen. Either way, I think you're really going to dig this one. Stay tuned for more bonus movie reviews, and also stay tuned for more news on the upcoming Two Dumb Dads podcast, hosted by Nick and Chris. That'll be available soon by Third Kind Productions. 
So, without further ado, did Bats, Soups, Wonder Woman, Flash, Cyborg, and Fishman live up to the hype? Was there any hype? And what is going on with Henry Cavill's upper lip, seriously? Come together right now and tune in to find out. Come together! All right, guys, welcome to Somewhere in the Skies. I am Ryan Sprague, and today is a very special day. If you haven't seen it already, I highly suggest going out and checking out this movie, uh, whether you like it or not. We are going to be talking Justice League. And with me today, I have the two hosts of the upcoming Two Dumb Dads podcast, Chris Moss, Nick Westmeyer. What's going on, gentlemen? Hey, not too much. How are you doing, Ryan? I am doing great. I First of all, I have to thank you guys for taking the time to do this. I know all of us have been talking about this movie for a while now. <laughs> it's come. It's gone. We are going to debrief today about what the hell happened with DC. But It's a cinematic tour de force, guys. Come it, on. It is. It's more it of the rings level. I, I oh, think God. this is not the podcast people are going to expect. We all have very different feelings on this movie, which I think is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, before we even get to that, guys... Please, tell me what we can expect from the upcoming Two Dumb Dads podcast. I love the title. Yeah, we were very excited about it. Um, it, Honestly, this kind of comes out of the last year of our being parents and realizing that this stuff is hard. We wanted to, to come up with something that would kind of honor the idea of complete and utter ignorance about parenting. You always expected that when we we became parents, that suddenly you'd get that magical knowledge that Dude, I that never we always thought. That <laughs> oh, I I was certain it was going to happen. I was going to wake up one day and suddenly become my dad, and it turns out I, I I may have become my dad simply because I have no idea what I'm doing. And so I like uh, uh, we we decided we're going to start up a podcast and kind of catalog that kind of keep track of our ignorance throughout the years and see how it goes an interesting perspective of two people who grew up together when you know went to high school went to college or in similar careers and then also but also came from very different upbringings and how that has affected parenting and how we view things and how we handle things but then also just how life's changed as as men and like how we handle that and what's different in Mm -hmm. our lives than it was you know a year ago or even two years ago or in the plan of having kids, etc. So it's just kind of a, a chronicle of who we are and what we're going through and, you know, also some crazy stuff like this. Right. And that's what's really cool, too, is um, I was able to sample a preview episode of your guys' show. And what I what I think very is... Very exclusive. Very exclusive. The right I, Frig episode. To the point where you even called me out in the show. I was very honored. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, First of all, good point, Chris, that, you know, we do believe that our parents are perfect, <laughs> you know, that, that, that they are some sort of uh, wisdom giver. Um, but that's not necessarily how it goes. Parents learn as they go as well. And what is also interesting is that in that preview episode you guys gave me, you guys do disagree on different ways and aspects of raising. We disagree on pretty much everything. That's kind of the driving force of it. Look, it's not my fault Nick's always wrong about things. <laughs> no. Uh, well, guys. I'm really looking forward to that. You're both first-time dads. That's correct? Correct. Yeah. 
Yeah. So this I is, hope so. Yeah, right. <laughs> that you both know of. Yeah, that's a terrifying thing, right? No, I assure you, everybody out there, this is the first time, my only time. We'll see what happens after that, though. Oh, well, I do look forward to that, guys. You know, I may not be a parent, but I think everyone can glean something from something like this, especially when it's, um, you know, it, it's two young guys living in uh, one of the craziest places in the world, or should I say next to one of the craziest places in the world, <laughs> and raising a child. So I, I think that's very, very interesting as well. No, no, I assure you, New Jersey is far crazier than New York. Oh, we yes. Have we have bears, guys. Guys, <laughs> I have been binge-watching Sopranos. I know how crazy it is. <laughs> See, everybody should know. Listen, the real bottom thing is not far from where we live. Yeah. <laughs> I might just have to make it over there. We'll see. We'll see. We miss you, Ryan. We miss you. I miss you've been, you guys. You've been to this neck of the woods. I, I have for quite a while, yes. <laughs> uh, so the real reason we are here today is to talk about Justice League. Before we even get into that, guys, I kind of wanted to ask you about your history with, uh, I guess, comic books in general and the DC universe, as opposed to these mm-hmm. huge, expansive universe that we've grown to either love or hate with Marvel. So, yeah, so, maybe maybe you could give Nick, me a little uh, background on what you guys, what 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 is your connection to the DC universe? Sure, uh, Nick. Nick, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'm totally awesome. going first. Um, no, so my connection to comic books go back to being a kid. So my dad bought comic books for some of the youngest of five. For um, two of my brothers, the one closest to me and the one before him. So we had over 15,000 comic books in our house growing up. So I've been pretty much steeped in this since I was a little kid, but I've always, always, always loved Superman. I mean, it has been, I'm quickly like I'm adopted, I'm from the Midwest. I just related a lot to that. It was my dad's favorite character and my brother's favorite character. Christopher Reeves in the first Superman film was one of the reasons I like wanted to become an actor. I was like, how do I be fucking superman and my dad was like well he's an actor i was like great i can do that i just didn't grow to be six foot two and well you know you certainly did not i i can attest to that yeah i know sadly but shawty that's all right wolverine wasn't five foot one so it's okay yeah they still cast six foot guy i'm still bitter about it um (laughs) love you hugh jackman so anyways it's really was a big part of my childhood growing up and these stories influenced everything from how i played to what i wanted to read and also being a kid who's dyslexic that was kind of what got me into reading because i could look at the pictures and it would help inform me of what was going on in storytelling so it became my primary source of like reading material as a kid so i i have been hugely vested in the superhero movies both the dc and the marvel because it basically was like my childhood coming to life and in the case of marvel really successfully and in the case of dc a little bit bumpier though that's probably what we'll get into as we go like i still love seeing these people on screen because it's like getting to be a little Mm -hmm. kid again sure um and selfishly, I'm always like, maybe I'll get cast in it one day. Who knows? <laughs> so that's me. Sure. How about you, Chris? I'm, I'm kind of similar, but I like to think of myself as a, uh, a mid-tier comic book nerd. When I was young, I, of course, uh, was first introduced by this, uh, by, to comic book characters the same way I think a lot of people of my generation were through the, the um, Tim Burton Batman movies and the Saturday morning cartoons, the X-Men, the, the Spider-Men. And so it wasn't until about high school 
school that I realized that these amazing characters I love so much uh, came in a comic book. Uh, and so uh, as soon as I found that out, I started buying every book I could find. Uh, I was at the point where I was spending my entire paychecks every week at the uh, at the, the comic book shop buying, <laughs> I think, you know, $40, $50 worth of books back in the day when they were one or two dollars a book. So I was buying everything. If it, if it came on a book and I it, it had a superhero on it, I, I bought it. And then that lasted me through about college when, you know, everybody goes broke, and so did I. So um, I haven't been reading as much as I I used to, but I still keep up on the old Wikipedia. Uh, I I try and follow along what's going on with the new 52 that's now the old 52, but there's a new, new 52. I don't know. It's all confusing. (laughs) I did it again, so. (laughs) You know, they're just, they're they're retconning everything for the one millionth time. Uh, But the important thing is I love these characters. I've grown up with them. I was a huge Batman fan. Uh, all through high school, college, and really ever since I saw the initial Tim Burton uh, movie. So, I don't know. I love this stuff. I, I enjoy this stuff, and I, I love to discuss it. Awesome. I, I think all three of us can really agree that, you know, it, it really started with us with Batman and Superman. Nick, I know mm-hmm. Superman was a huge part of your upbringing. Uh, oh, yeah. Chris, like you, Batman was huge for me. I read the detective comics. I grew up on the Tim Burton, the, the original movie. Uh, mm-hmm. So, that seeing that character come to life for the umpteenth time now in cinema uh, was refreshing no matter how the movie panned out. Um, so question, was that your guys' first movie? Because it was my first movie-going experience was seeing Timber and Batman. First movie? I would have to say it was one of my first for sure. I know my grandmother had a VHS of it shortly after it it came out in theaters and then got on tape and I wore that thing out so much. Uh, oh. So, yeah, Batman was huge. It was huge for me. And I do believe it was one of my first cinematic experiences. And, uh, you know, again, we've got the the Christopher Nolan ones. We've got Adam West. We've got Michael Keaton. We've got the (laughs) the horrible in-betweeners that we won't mention. But uh, There's those. (laughs) There are those. But even this new one, guys, like you said, Nick, just seeing these characters come to life, no matter who's playing them, no matter how the movie pans out, it is... Exciting, and I think we 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 will get into that as well. No matter what we think of this movie, it's amazing to see these characters come to life. Absolutely, I I never thought I would see an Aquaman on screen. Exactly. Um, let alone seeing uh, the idea of a realistic, serious Green Lantern, which I thought was amazing. Seeing those those guys in the the background, the big war sequences, right. the big Easter egg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will get to that. Um, But I guess for any of our listeners, first of all, we must warn them, this is going to be an extremely spoil-heavy episode. I guess I already spoiled that part, huh? Sorry about that, guys. Oh, no, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, you guys got to be watching for that, though. That's like a watching for thing. It really is, yeah. If you blinked, like, you wouldn't have seen that Green Lantern part, I feel. so. Um, (laughs) Well, let's let's give a little premise here, guys. I'm just going to read the pretty brief summary of this movie for the listeners. So here we go fueled by his restored faith in humanity and inspired by superman's selfless act bruce wayne enlists newfound ally diana prince to face an even greater threat together batman and wonder woman work quickly to recruit a team to stand against this newly awakened enemy we'll get to that enemy Uh, (laughs) despite the formation of an unprecedented league of heroes batman wonder woman aquaman or aquaman as jeremy irons calls him uh cyborg Uh, and the flash it may be too late to save the planet from an assault of catastrophic proportions 
<sighs> okay. So is well that done. the plot you guys oh. got from this? Yeah, uh, maybe. So, first of all, we are at a 41% on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie. So not exactly the oh. best. Uh, so so where's the Man of Steel, higher yeah. than Batman versus Superman? Exactly. So that let's talk about that first. We got oh. we had the Man of Steel. We had uh, Batman vs Superman. Then we had Wonder Woman. Which no, then we had Suicide Squad. Excuse let's me, not I totally forgot about that. Oh. I never even oh. saw that one, guys. Oh, that was a brilliant piece of cinematic history, which <laughs> I think will live on for the ages. Yeah. Uh, in the worst of ways. Uh, <laughs> please never come back, Jared Leto. Uh, moving on. There's um, that. Oh my god. <laughs> And then we got Wonder Woman, which was an incredible film. I mean, pretty revered from what I can tell. I think it was a good film. Mm -hmm. I I had a lot of problems with the depiction of Wonder Woman uh, for the most part. It really bothered me how childish they portrayed her throughout the entire film. Mm. um, Where it seems like every little... They had a book on the island that would explain every minor nuance with a man that didn't exist. But as soon as she left that island... Oh, I'm sorry, we wear clothes now? Please explain to me, young man, how do we wear clothes? Oh, I'm... (laughs) But hold on, but that's... Still, but that makes sense because that's not something that we explain in the Amazon culture when they're how many thousands of years behind what she's walking into. Like it's this idea of discovering, discovering a new world, discovering. It's all about her not being sheltered on this island, which she's been sheltered for. Let's say she's thirty years old, right? Right. So yeah, you would have all of this discovery. It's not just going to be like, oh yeah. People in suit jackets and pants and slacks and shoes and dresses. Like, I'm cool with that. I know all that stuff. In a film about having a god come down and do whatever a god is doing, uh, it seems as though you can make a certain leap of into, of whatever and say that, okay, it would make sense for her to be childish and naive, but maybe, just maybe, we're going to take this feminist icon and make her knowledgeable about the world and have her lead the way through this story instead of having her be handheld by the man. But that's different than, that's different than the whole story. The whole story is her discovering a new world. So it makes sense in in the context of that story. If you yep, wanted like the story, story, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. But if you didn't like them, then it shouldn't be a story about her first getting off the island it should have taken place so then you have a different movie you have what essentially is going to be the sequel to the first movie which that's fine but i'm just saying like if you're going to have her off the island immediately you're going to have some naivety Mm -hmm. i just think it makes sense in storytelling i just to me that makes yeah sense you wouldn't know what everything this is around her i think i see both sides of that for sure and then she kicks some ass through a trench warfare and (laughs) just you know but Quote unquote, oh, no, the, 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 the action was amazing in that movie. I thought yes, that was terrific. That I can definitely agree on. The cinematography was gorgeous. Um, mm-hmm. Well, in terms of that, let's move on to what came next. Now, do we have to? We, we yeah. do. We do. We do, gentlemen, because we, right. we have some stake in this. We are comic book fans. One of us might be uh, friends with one of the uh, superheroes in this movie. <laughs> Uh, Can't wait to hear his reaction. He did a good job. I'm sorry. (laughs) He He did did a a great job. Great job. We will get to him for sure. He did. What I want to what I want to talk to you guys about before we get to uh, the overall plot and what we think of it is there. There were two pretty big controversies uh, before the movie came out. Now, one Mm -hmm. we have the horrible tragedy that happened to the director Zack Snyder, um, who had to leave during the um, pretty much towards the end. Am I correct in that? 
uh, of filming well, and or there's editing? A lot of, there's a lot of debate with that. Cause some people are saying that, and this is something that's happening now with this film, with the call for his cut of the movie, right. is how much was done when he had to leave. So I was under the understanding, also from a friend of ours, that a big portion of it was pretty much shot. And if that's the case, then, you know, are there basically two versions of this film kind of floating around? Because right. when... When the new director came in, Whedon, he mm-hmm. did extensive reshoots. And I thought that might be because he also, as a comic book writer, was like, this stuff needs to go in a different direction than where it currently is. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't want to speak ill of somebody who's going through a, a major life crisis because, I mean, nobody deserves to go through what he's going through. But I feel like you can kind of watch that movie and see Joss Whedon's hand in that film pretty oh, clearly. Yeah. Credit on the script, I think. Like he got script writing credits. I, I wasn't sure. I, I I was trying to pay attention at the beginning, but uh, uh, th- this is another thing. Zack Snyder's openings are always very interesting. No matter what you think of him as a filmmaker, I think he really can draw you in from the beginning of his films, whether it's through music or uh, just the way he shoots it. Uh, this one had a really interesting one as well, which oh, we did you definitely get into. Yeah. Can I say okay. before we really dive in, this is my th- – can I give like my overall thought because I think it will pepper my opinion of it as going forward? Yeah. It was the most comic booky movie that I've seen both in positive and negative ways. I, I, I okay. totally get what you're so saying. So like I felt like you know, like you get a comic book. You can get comic books that are just really bad, the storylines, or you can get comic books that are just amazing, right? They soar outside your expectations. But there's a lot of comic books where you're kind of like, okay. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I felt. I was like – but it felt – there was a lot of things that felt like a comic book to me, and I did appreciate that. I can expand on that as we go, like moments that felt that way. It felt like a comic book to me in a lot of ways. And maybe that was Whedon's influence over Snyder's initial vision, which maybe did or did not work in some parts. Yeah. And the sure. other thing that I think uh, may have worked or not worked was the choice of music. Now, we had an entire score apparently done for this movie and then was scrapped when Whedon came in. Is this something you guys know about? Yeah. I didn't know anything about that. I think the guy who scored it was the gentleman who did, the guy who did Wonder Woman score for, with like the guitar, like, and And I think Whedon came in and brought an Elfman, which I think that was a great decision because Elfman brought in themes from the original Tim Burton Batman, which I thought was awesome. Yes. And also brought in stuff from the, the John Williams Superman themes. Mm-hmm. I thought the mu- I thought changing the musical choice was good because I did not like the score the dude did from Wonder Woman in Batman vs Superman. Uh, he used he used it, but I would much prefer like for a movie like Justice League or Avengers, like that kind of big orchestra classic epic over like I'm gonna throw some electric guitar in there. Because it's cool. Mm. I'm gonna. I mean, I, I think I disagree with that. Um, really? I mean, I'm not saying I liked it by any means, but I'm saying I think it fit the styles of the film. Um, these aren't classically shot, big, sweeping uh, panam- uh, panoramas, whatever. These are very uh, CG, very green screen, very empty films. And I think those electric guitar riffs that you're you're talking about really play into the the style of the action and the feel of the films that Zack Snyder is going for in the first place. So you'd rather have that over Danny Elfman and like? <laughs> oh no, I I, w- I would rather have none of these films and have all of Danny Elfman, but okay. I, I think what he's doing is fitting the Zack Snyder mold. 
Yeah, I, I completely. I, I again, this is another another time where I could see both sides of it, and it really depends on if you're leaning more towards a comic book movie or a cinematic experience, which, which they, I, they can be married together. But uh, I, I just don't know when it comes to the music. Well, I, I, this is a good point. Like, did you guys think? So I definitely. I don't know if this movie knew what it wanted to be. I don't know if it wanted to be a Zack Snyder film or a Josh Whedon film. And I don't know if that's because it- no, it didn't, and that was very yeah. clear. There were there was no. Uh, they never came through and blended those two styles together. They they shot whatever they shot, and then Josh Whedon came in, did some reshoots, and it was very clear because there would be a very serious moment that all of a sudden seemed to take on a completely different tone, and then return very abruptly to uh. the very serious moments. And it was it was very clear. It didn't feel funny it felt really awkward and hamstrung yes i i yeah. agree with you completely chris this is a movie where it's clear there were two writers and almost two directors i guess mm-hmm. and, and yeah. oh yeah you could tell almost shot for shot who did what and that is the sign that uh this movie was not ready to not be released all. i don't think mm-hmm. it ever was and let's talk about that now we we have the marvel universe that has been so carefully planned out for so long we we got the origin stories of every character pretty much um that led us up to we're almost at infinity war something we right. probably none of us that ever thought we would just- get to Oh no! Feel so warm and fuzzy inside. Me too, man. Me too. I loved it. Um, But then here we have another franchise who has such a rich history with two of the most iconic superheroes of all. Maybe three, I should say. Three. I would say you could argue three. three. Yes, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman. Yeah, it's a holy trinity. Everybody is supposed to know those three characters in comic books. Exactly. Now, and they rushed it off the top. They rushed it off the top. Fast as possible. And also, we get a few other of our Justice League members, and we don't know... We've never met these people before. Why are we going to give a shit about them? So let's talk about that. We have an opening to this movie where we get introduced to each character. Now... What did you guys think of the way they handled this in terms of bringing the team together? We get to see all of them before this happens. Any of them really stick out to you as as good or sincere? Or what are your guys' thoughts on that? I felt like they were trying to do a good job with it. And I think that destroyed the movie. And what I mean by that is that they took, I think, an hour and a half or something to get all of these characters together. Yeah. Which makes sense because we've never been introduced to them. Characters like I, like Aquaman and Cyborg are kind of, well, they've been around forever. They're kind of a, a abstract to most regular average people who don't follow comic books. And what's Aqu- Aquaman's the joke of non comic book fans, like the dude that's sure. fish. Yeah, you know what I mean? right. And I think because they had to take so long to bring these guys together that. It, it it took the entire film, and so the film suffered because they had one insanely long first act, no second act, and then a big battle for a third act, and that was that. Yeah. Oh, there's a second act. It's the Superman act. Which uh, we no, no, that's, that's not. That's not a <laughs> yeah, second act. That's there. just the end act. of the first act where they're bringing the team together. Oh, I can't um, wait till we get well, to that part. Something, too, is Warner Brothers made them, from everything I've read, because I've done as much as I could about the film, that was one of the big issues, is Warner Brothers made them cut that film down just under two hours. So they basically were like, yo, you can't make a long movie. Which I think, you know, when you're trying to tell this huge story and you haven't introduced all these characters, like you said, Chris, you're screwed. Just like, uh, okay, well, I mm. guess we'll just, I just I, like, yeah, throw no. it on the screen. I'm sorry. Be- 
Why the fuck would Warner Brothers, with the biggest movie that they're making with all of their characters, why would they choose this movie to make one of the shorter ones? That makes because, absolutely no sense. Because it's they're, they're worried about Marvel and they're worried about, I think, Zack Snyder's pacing and storytelling after everything with Batman vs. Superman were like, oh, it's boring. And uh, No, did you guys actually hear there was a new report out recently where that may address this? Um, they said the big reason why they couldn't go back and delay the film was because producers' bonuses were tied yep, to this. I saw oh that too. God. But then and they also so, had a bonus to it being successful. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, essentially what it came, what it sounds like it probably came down to is that the uh, there's some sort of a merger or a buyout or something that may or may not happen. And subsequently, if they pushed back the film, there may not. Uh, they may not be with the studio anymore. And so if they're not with the studio anymore, when the film releases, those bonuses go away. Mm. Now, of course, the same thing could be true of the if it's good. So even if it's good and they get that, you know, whatever Rotten Tomato box office, whatever bonus Nick's talking about here, if they're not with the studio, they still don't get that bonus either. So they kind of have to touch out on why they money. cut the running time. Why, you know, why you would be like, we got to get this thing under two hours, guys. Mm-hmm. Got to get it out the door. I think, yeah. I think that's it. Like we live in such a, a world now where we we consume things so quickly. We want it short and sweet. And like you said, they're they're trying to sort of go off the Marvel platform of shorter is better. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think they can't with the writers and directors they're choosing for DC. They can't do that. They no, and need Marvel has three the- hours to tell their stories. And Marvel Absolutely. has the added benefit of 10 years worth of movies and yep. being like, well, you already know these stories, so Avengers can be two hours and you can be happy with it. Because it's just, as someone on my Facebook wall put it, it's just action figures going smash, which I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, when it comes down to it, guys, that's what it is. Like, when, when you really think about it, a lot of these movies are made to sell toys, to sell comics, mm-hmm. to sell merchandise. That's what it is. Now, I would say that Marvel does a little bit better of a job of actually, like, caring about what they're doing. And I do mm-hmm. sincerely think a lot of people at DC care about these people, these characters. Um, but The question is, does anybody care at Warner Brothers? That's Warner the difference. Warner Brothers. That's a very good yeah. point, Chris. Not only that, but that money plays such a big part in all this and the movies are suffering in terms of which characters someone can use. Oh, wait, Sony has this. We can't use that. Uh, Marvel Mm -hmm. has this. We can't use that. The story is inevitably going to suffer, I feel, when it comes down to that. Now, we're seeing with Sony and Marvel that they are are able to make something like that work. So that's that's good. That's cool. Whatever. I I want more of those Spider-Man Homecoming movies to come out. They were... That was awesome, but and it was great. See that. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, but then we're moving back over to the darker, I would say, of the comic book franchises, mm-hmm. and Warner Brothers just doesn't know what they're doing. Well, they really don't seem to. Because I, what I've, God, the I think the biggest condemnation I can make of this film is that they took five of the biggest superheroes in the. In, in all of comic books, they took the entire armies of all of these groups and they made a film that felt small. Yeah. I, which you know, I should felt like, be impossible. I felt Completely like, impossible. I, I was talking to my brother and I felt like I was watching a CW, a $300 million CW film. And listen, I like the CW universe as a comic book Me fan. Too. I can get on board with that. But if I'm going to go to the movie theater, I do not want to see the $300 million CW film with Ben Affleck in it. 
Like mm-hmm. that's not what I'm what I'm looking for, right? It should be something better than that, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this before we go any further. You did bring up Ben Affleck. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. If if he wasn't in that cowl, I could swear someone had a gun to his head every line this dude was making. <laughs> Do you oh, yeah. think? Do you guys yeah. think we're going to see him in any more of these movies? No, he did not no. want to be there. They're already rumoring that Jake Gyllenhaal is the next one. I saw that. Yeah. The role. I okay. So first off, I'm a Ben Affleck apologist. I I like Ben Affleck. Like I just, this wasn't his best performance. And you're right. It looked like every every line he said, I saw him just thinking, "God, it's Daredevil all over again." <laughs> yeah. Except, except when he's talking to Wonder Woman, where you see this vulnerability come through. And I don't know if that's just Ben Affleck thinking Gal Gadot's hot, or if he was literally directed to have this schoolboy sort of crush on Wonder Woman. That was the only moment where I felt he was any sort of a character. Do you wonder if maybe that was supposed to be ultimately building towards uh, the Batman-Wonder Woman relationship that I think was... Almost immediately prior to the the New 52. Oh, yeah. I think that's definitely what they're building towards. I mean, everyone alludes to it. Alfred's alluding to it. By the way, Jeremy Irons, give that dude a fucking Oscar for these movies because he is one of the best Alfreds I've ever watched. He takes his shit and owns it. I agree with you, Nick. Jeremy Irons is incredible, but they give him nothing to work with. I know, but I still like him. Even though there's nothing there, I'm just like... Alfred's on screen again. He has no purpose to be in these films. Why would you cast someone like Jeremy Irons if you're going to cut every one of his scenes and have him stay in the fucking Batcave the whole time? Zack Snyder actually used Jeremy (laughs) Irons pretty well. I will give Zack Snyder credit. Like, when you watch Batman vs. Superman, he's a a really bright spot in that. His Alfred. He did have some agency in that one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Well, I still like watching him. I'm just like, you're a cool Alfred. I can get on board with you as Alfred. Mm -hmm. And your cool glasses. While we're on that, let's talk about Commissioner Gordon. Uh, What? Oh, I was excited. I'm sorry, was he in this film? Yeah, who? Who? Commissioner Gordon. That's from from Batman, right? Uh, I've heard that. Uh, Who is Commissioner Gordon? Again. You You cast an incredible actor and then you don't use him. He was in, what, two scenes, and essentially his job was to flash the, the bat signal or something? He, he did nothing. How was exposition? Right. And the big thing was uh, everyone was talking about how much he was working out before this movie and, like, how jacked he got. And they're like, is he doing that for this movie? Oh, my God. Is he going to, like, kick some ass? And then they put him in a baggy trench coat, and then he just well, – he, he flicks the bat signal on once. doing it for the movie. He mm-hmm. came out and said he was doing it just because he wanted to get in shape. Yeah. If you want – I followed that storyline because I'm a geek. <laughs> You're a health nut, Nick. We get it. I am. It's it's true. <laughs> so, okay. All right. I guess we're kind of going on a tangent, which that's what this is all about, guys. So, um, yeah, we, Let's just complain for an hour. That's, I like that idea. There are some good things about this movie. We'll get, we'll, yeah. we'll get to those. Um, but let's talk about – okay. The Flash on CW is one of my favorite shows. Oh, I love so it. Good. I mm-hmm. love Grant Gutson. I love everything um, they're doing with that show. I – hate, hate this version of The Flash. Really? I fucking loved Ezra Miller in this. I was, I don't know what you're saying. Chris? Oh, I thought, He was, uh, yeah, I agree. I thought it was pretty Uh, rough. Okay. I thought he did exactly what they wanted him to do, and I was like, you know what? That doesn't mean that what they wanted him to do was good. (laughs) I laughed. He at least was, I at least found him funny. I at least was entertained when he did shit. Here's my thing. 
I think he was good. I, I shouldn't say I hate Ezra Miller. I hated Joss Whedon's lines inserted for Ezra Miller. I think okay. that's fair. I thought all of the performances from everybody was good. I'm, as I said, I'm even a, bat, a Ben Affleck apologist. Oh, um, I didn't but, think Henry Cavill was great, and I love Henry Cavill as Superman. Well, I mean, I mean, uh, was he even there? We'll get to that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, that. Have, I have a whole, I have a whole diet to about Superman. Was his upper all. lip even there? I'm not sure. <laughs> it was with a little added flesh to. I, so I saw it. this. I think. Uh, I, I think I saw it differently than at least uh, one of you. I, I saw this in. St- I don't like the whole IMAX Super 3D Mega Oplex whatever. <laughs> so I saw this in a good old fashioned rundown movie theater and. I didn't even know, like, with the exception of the terrible opening of the film, which is, like, oh, I have a phone camera, and I didn't even realize it was Superman for a while. I, I, I didn't even notice that there was anything wrong with his lip. Is this a weird thing that happened in the 3D? No, I had heard that if you saw an IMAX or any ultra high def, the Uncanny Valley with his lip was way more noticeable mm-hmm. than it was if you saw it in, like you did, Chris, in like a stand, like a regular theater, right? Most people, from what I read, that saw in the regular theater were just like, Henry Calvo looks different. Like, let's, he just looks different. Let's, yeah. let's, let's tell the audience what, what we're talking about here. Like, what okay. happened? Oh, Nick, that's probably good. I, yeah. I got this. I got yeah, this. you got this, Nick. Um, so, um, Henry Calvo is currently shooting Mission Impossible 3. And when four. Josh Wee was brought on, Mission Impossible 4? I think 72. So. Yeah. The next Mission Impossible film. Yeah. And when Henry, when <laughs> Wien was brought on to reshoot, he wanted to do massive reshoots, and that meant everyone coming back. So Calvo came back, obviously, for the Superman reshoots. But it was in his contract that he could not shave the mustache that he had grown from Mission Impossible. So what they had to do then was digitally remove his mustache, which costs something millions of dollars to do, number one. And number two normally takes six months of editing. So they had to, like, super rush this thing to still get out on time. And what this caused, for most viewers, was an uncanny valley effect where, like, it just looks off and actually can be kind of unnerving. Mm -hmm. And just makes you, like, look at him and be like, you don't look like Henry Cavill. Which, upon the second viewing, because I've seen this movie twice now, you realize that almost every single scene with Superman... That's present, which meant Josh Whedon reshot almost every single scene with Superman, with Superman which I'll get to and I actually think might have been a good thing because Zack Snyder's Superman and I don't get along very well. Yes. Uh, I, oh, you I do thought have you loved a, his Superman. I liked Man of Steel, but I, well, I'll get to that. We get to Superman and that whole situation. But anyway, that's right. what happened. He had to have his mustache or his beard mustache digitally removed prior to the release quickly. Okay. So we've got that. We'll get to where Superman lays in this entire plot of this movie. Um, but <laughs> let, let's talk a little about our two underdogs here. I want to start with Aquaman. What did we think okay. of Momoa's performance? Go ahead, guys. Tell me what you think. Nick, you I love this it. one. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought, I thought because yeah, I'm right on board. Like everyone me too. said, like you, you have to like. How do you make this character? I mean, the comic books. He's a super interesting character, but he's like he to me is a very comic book character. Like he's a he's. He's Hawkeye in the Avengers, right? Like, he's the character I wouldn't introduce in this movie, even if he didn't have a standalone movie. Like, bring him in because people are like, Aquaman? But I thought the changes they made, making him a little bit darker, um, making him kind of the outsider, I thought MoMA did great. I found him funny. We're in the trailers. I thought he was going to be awful. I was like, no, 
he nailed it. I want to see his movie. I want to go see that movie when it comes out. I was totally like, I'm ready for Aquaman. It's going to be cool. Yeah, I'm on a similar page. I, I thought that – I thought Jason Momoa was amazing. I thought he was – I think he did something that nobody else in this film was able to do and, and take lines that were supposed to be funny and make them work. Mm-hmm. I thought Ezra, Ezra Miller just ruined a lot of those jokes. Same with uh, – and, and with all due respect, Ray Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they just didn't work. But I thought like Jason Momoa's snide kind of um, stabbing humor with a lot of his jokes just actually worked in a way that didn't work for anybody else. And I thought that was really charming. And while I don't necessarily like what they did with the character of Aquaman uh, a lot of the time, I I thought his performance and I thought uh, some of his scenes worked better than a lot of the other characters. Oh, that scene when he sits on the lasso of truth. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I hated that. Did you really? I just wanted to throw up in the movie theater. (laughs) Oh, man. That's one of my favorite scenes. I I liked it. It went on too long. It went on way too long. I'm like, that's a comic book, though. That's a comic book. I'm like, yeah. I ate that shit up as a comic book fan. Yeah. It was and a he little... stopped after the first time he said, uh, like, a, an actually revealing thing. Right. But then it kept going on for five minutes. I just sat there Uh-oh. going, It was a no, family guy. doesn't make sense. But he sells it so well. <laughs> like I said, his performance is great. Agreed. But I, I hated what they did there. I, I think Momoa, more than anyone in this movie, understood what both Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon wanted. Mm-hmm. And I think he did that uh, to the utmost professionality. And I think you're right. He pulled it off. Um, Good whether, for him, man. Whether Good or not, him. Yeah, exactly. I, I think he has a bright future with this character, if if they even make it to his standalone movie. Uh, they are. It's already in Okay. Okay, that's oh. good. Now, one movie that is not even in production yet, and let's 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 get to it. This is a very controversial, not performance, but just way that they handled this character of Cyborg, Ray oh, Fisher, Ray. Oh, an, up, Fisher. A, an up and newcomer uh, in Hollywood. This is his first major motion picture, which a really is talented incredible. Stage actor. Yeah, absolutely. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, we are we know. Ray Fisher, he, he's done a bunch of plays in New York. Um, we have a very close friend who is practically best friends with him. He was his best man at his wedding. We, were, we, we knew about this long before they even announced that he'd been cast, and they could not have picked a better dedicated actor to play this role. But in terms of that, how do you think he did, guys? How, or how do you think they portrayed the character of Cyborg? Nick, maybe you should take this one. I need to form my thoughts. Okay. All right. Because, um, you know, I'll talk off my ass and Chris can follow me up. So here's the thing. I thought Ray did a really good job with what he was given, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that they put that character in a really hard spot as, like, the exposition character who had to tell us everything that's going on. And frankly, I think in films that that just doesn't work all that well. That's like the TV thing, right? Like, when you sit down to watch, like, a CSI New York, I'm picking some random procedural right there's always that scene where like they come in and the one person's telling them everything you need to know watching it so you're like okay so the killer did this and they found some fingerprints and they found some hair and that's all great and it's a tv show so you're like okay that's kind of what i felt like cyborg was okay so there's a mother box and i have all this technology and i can do all this weird shit and they need me and okay then i'll go and here's what's happening here's what we have to do and because that was all of his scenes i'm like well that's you just wasted a really good actor yeah. Sadly, and I, but I will say I thought he did it well, as mm-hmm. well as you can do that shit. It's hard to do, um, and I think that's bad screenwriting too. 
Yes. Um, but I'm not a writer, so what do I know? Mm-hmm. No, uh, so, I'd have to agree. Yeah, it, it was in the writing here. Chris, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, I should point out, I, I don't actually know Ray. Um, I, I've never met him. I, I've heard a little bit of these stories before, but the the way I know Ray is that I know you guys, and that's about it. So uh, I'm free to talk a little bit more openly here. Oh, yeah. Um, so with that being said, I, I think that – I don't want to call them problems, but I think – Cyborg is a very difficult character in a film because he is everything and nothing all at the same time. Yeah. His entire purpose in the story is to essentially solve the the box that the writers write themselves into. Okay, so we have a piece of technology that's completely unfathomable. We have a giant robot that can do anything, so he's just going to touch a thing. Um, oh, we have this Earth-based robot. Eh, he can make a Kryptonian key. It'll work. And because of that his primary role in these films is just to solve the problem that nobody else can solve just because of who the characters are and as far as that goes when when all you're there for is to be a plot device you don't really have a lot of characterization put into you i mean they did the best they could with those scenes between him and his father but they just kind of felt flat Mm -hmm. yeah um and as far as ray's performance uh the perform uh i I don't think it was his fault. I think it's just these characters largely are suffering from the same problems that all the characters are, are suffering from. And that's the, the, the deep depression that these uh, the films exist with. Um, the idea that nobody is allowed to have any joy or happiness. And subsequently, when you think of Cyborg, you think of the old uh, Teen Titan Go films. You think of the... Yeah. Um, you, you think of this fun character who's like, Boom, and, and and then the only boom you get is a very subdued celebratory boom at the end of the film. It just goes, boom. Yeah. So, of course, you would have been better served, like, to have that character be like Martian. I mean, this is diving deep into comics. Like, be a Martian Manhunter or be even Green Lantern. Like, having it not be Cyborg and saving Cyborg for something. Yes, I. I... I, sorry, Nick. I didn't mean to interrupt. But no, I, no, no. the entire time I saw Cyborg uh, as he was becoming a member of the team, I'm like, he would have made a good villain for a movie, and then make him, you know, as he's as he's becoming more machine than man. This is the whole thing with Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Um, this you know singularity aspect or Frankenstein's monster, even um, sure. like seeing someone who is no longer in control of their own uh, everything, their mind, their heart whatever's left of this man it would have been interesting to see him be almost an obstacle for the justice league and then bring him in when things get even hairier and we gotta bring in Green. what they do with superman sorry what uh yeah we'll, we'll get to that but yes i think i do think that cyborg's character suffered greatly in this film and he was almost like a deus machina in a way yeah, yeah. and a lot of those decisions just didn't make any sense like you're talking about they treat him like a frankenstein's monster and is he good is he bad is he in control and none of it really pays off in any substantial way yeah it was, it was problematic don't they even mention the frankenstein monster like he's talking to his dad he's like you're afraid they'd see the monster yeah. He's like, no, no, not you. And he's like, you assume I'm talking about me. And it's like right. a direct reference to that, that idea. Like, no, you're the monster for doing this to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let's let's one more thing, too, which I thought was pretty interesting. The actor who sure. played uh, Cyborg's father, he was also the dude from Terminator. 
quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Who made the fucking Terminator? No shit. Yes. Was it really? I'm almost positive. If I'm Are you wrong, talking the, the the Terminator three? No, the original. Or is it two? I think it was two. Where you know he goes back and gets the hand and everything. Um, okay. I think. Like if I'm, Yes. If I'm wrong on this, I will edit this out. But I that, think it was the same like actor. Snyder's all about that stuff as a director. Like the Excalibur. Yeah. Holy crap! Batman. Terminator two. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> Chris is that's amazing. <laughs> oh, God bless All the right. internet. Yeah, so well, that was a pretty interesting nod, if it was even intentional. I don't see I'm how sure it could have been. Yeah. This guy's like, oh, I'm the father of all singularities. This is the role I'm going to play for the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm just robot picture. guy. That's, that's robot my role in life. <laughs> okay, so we have the Justice League forming. We have this uh, villain who we haven't even brought up yet. So let's get to him before we get to Mr. Soups. Uh, we've got... Uh-huh. We have a villain from. Am I correct in this? I don't know the mythology of Wonder Woman. Well, this is a. Is this a Wonder Woman villain? No, it's, no. It's a. You can handle this when you're good with this history. No, it's stuff. even dumber than that. Okay, <laughs> give it to me. All right. So Andrew Sanford will kill me for this because um, I'm going to be. I'm going to spitball as much as I can. So Steppenwolf is the general of Darkseid. Darkseid is part of the New Gods and Apocalypse, and they go around and you know fuck up planets. Um, so essentially, so the things. villain. Yeah. But so Darkseid is Thanos. Actually, Thanos is based on Darkseid. Okay. So if you want to like get some context there, Marvel was like, "Oh shit, that's a good villain. We should make our own. Bring you Thanos. Way cooler." But this is my problem. So Steppenwolf is like I'm trying to think. Like he's a legit villain, but he's like running up. Someone give me one of the the Bat Clan that's not Robin or Nightwing. The Bat uh, Batwoman. Batwoman. So it's like running up Batwoman against who's still cool and can still kick some ass. Running up Batwoman against, you know, Superman. I don't know. Okay. You get my point? Like, it, it's a it's a villain. It's a villain people know, but it's not, like, the villain. Okay. Um, and so it's like you're sent, you're, you're sent the epic building, epic movie, and not even bringing down the big fucking bad. You're bringing down, like, his crony. For Justice League, yeah. For Justice well, League. Well, to be fair, it's basically what they did in Avengers, right? It's, all right, so we have to have a big bad here. So let's just, I don't know, fuck it. Let's just have aliens. What kind but, of but no, aliens? But Avengers, Avengers still had Loki, and you can make the argument that Loki is the villain who they set up, and Loki is a legit 
Avengers villain that you have invested in and watched in and you have feelings about. And this was just like... I guess like that's right. Pit- He's not the villain of the first Thor, is yeah. he? I keep thinking he is. <laughs> like, the, like, the aliens and Avengers are the parademons in this, right? And they worked really well for me. They the parademons were great. Cool ones, right? And, um, but the problem was the actual villain, I was like, eh. And then the CGI sucked. So you're just like, well, I have oh, yeah. CGI. And the villain that I don't care about, I'm not invested in, why do I fucking care? But, like, I know who Darkseid is, who has one mention in the film. Just, just make it, just make it dark side, yeah. and have Steppenwolf be a part of that big epic battle. I mean, right. I get why you don't use dark side right here because if you, I mean, I think you know what you're doing here if you're making this film. You realize you're rushing this. You realize nobody has any investment in anybody. So why waste the the like, don't don't do Doomsday again. Don't bring out a an, a fan favorite villain. And just waste them for ten minutes at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my opinion, Doomsday would have been the better villain for oh, no, it's in general. Because this is basically the story of Doomsday, right? This is basically Superman Returns, yeah, Superman Returns. but without Doomsday. But he right. fucked Doomsday up in the last film, so oh god, sorry. <sighs> I'm breathing. <laughs> I'm breathing. All right. Well, let's get to that, guys. All right. So for those who did not see Batman v Superman, we have an ending where the man of all men, the legend Superman, dies, uh, supposedly. Um, We get a small... No, he's he's dead. I think he's dead. Uh, Yeah. Okay. He's dead. He's dead. Sure. Let's think of argument. Let's just say he's dead. He's dead. Yeah. So we we kind of had an inkling that when this film was coming around that this was not going to be the last time we saw Superman. Whether or not it would be in the way that we got in this movie, I uh, I can't say. But Nick, I want to hand this one over to you, the Superman. All right, fan. let me just let me just get up in my seat here and get ready to. How did they bring this guy back? Oh well, okay. So I have to know. Let me go back to Batman vs Superman so I can set this whole story up because I'm very passionate about this. Um, so they kill Superman, right? Kill him. Kill him good and, good and dead. They also kill Clark Kent and have an open casket funeral for Clark Kent, which I'm going to get to. So they kill Clark Kent. My problem, number one. Um, Superman's dead, so now we come to Justice League. And there's these things called the Mother Boxes, the whole big thing the film's around. And they're like, oh, well, the Mother Box can create life. We can just bring Superman fucking back because there's an embryo tube in the ship that was left over from the Kryptonians and Man of Steel. <sighs> right, which is how so they created all of Doomsday. this is essentially from the comic books, though, right? Kinda, kinda, yeah, kinda. Like a bastardized version of what happened to the comic books, yeah. So, yeah, kinda. <laughs> put so, put, anyway, they're like, we're gonna, you know, Batman's like, like, yo, we gotta bring Superman back. Fuck it if he's bad or not, because immediately all the Superman fans in the room are like, you're gonna make Superman bad, aren't you, Zack Snyder? Because you hate us. And all of us that like Superman, he might be bad. Okay, go to the ship. Cyborg makes this little key. They put Mother Box in the in the embryo thing. Flash has to like hit with some lightning, and boom, we got fucking Superman back. But Superman is bad. Zack Snyder's like, this is all I ever wanted in life, guys. I wanted to make the Injustice video game movie. Superman comes out and like, oh, by the way, P.S. Falls has happened. Everyone's telling Batman, you're a fucking idiot. Don't bring him back because he's going to be bad. <laughs> and he is. And like, all of a sudden, he gets all scared because Cyborg might shoot him. And then there's a big fight, right? And um, which also is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Did anyone else not like the part where they're in a big fight and, you know, everyone realizes that he's Superman, so we're fucked? But Flash is like, I'll run really fast. And Superman sees him. And you have that, like, realization that 
Superman is fast enough to see the Flash. Yeah. That's one of my favorite parts. Oh, yeah, the look, cool. the look that yeah. Flash gives. Yeah, that was goes, pretty great. I enjoyed that him. moment. He goes to just, like, push him and fall back into the fucking stones. Yeah. Come on, that's great. <laughs> well, um, Nick, tell us... All right. Oh, yeah, keep going, my man. But I, right. the biggest part is how Superman comes to be Superman again. But we'll get to Oh, that. yeah. So, so anyway, so big fight, right? And everyone's losing it. And then eventually, like... Which makes sense. So the end of Batman vs. Superman... While there's a reconciliation between Batman and Superman, clearly there wasn't, like, a conversation about how, like, you tried to fucking kill me. You're a douchebag. And Bat- so he sees Batman, and he's like, oh, I remember who you are, so I'm going to fuck your shit up, too. And then he goes after Batman, and there's a quippy line that's clearly a Whedon line about him bleeding and shit. And Lois Lane comes out. And oh, no, like, that is a Snyder line all the way. You think that was no really? his Oh, yeah. Hey, dude. His mouth is CGI'd in that scene. I've seen it twice. Oh, it feels like a CG. It feels it feels like a Snyder line. <laughs> Where it's so obvious that they're just like, oh, let's have a callback to that amazing film that I made. Like, no, first Maybe. of all, it was amazing. It wasn't a good line. It was just... <laughs> Maybe, but I'm telling you, it is, it is CGI'd. Yeah, because everything is CGI in this movie. Because he reshot all of his fucking scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Batman's follow-up, though, of like, yep, something's bleeding. I'm going to bore with that. That was pretty um, funny, yeah. So he's basically he calls him Lois Lane. That was his his plan. Lois Lane wakes Clark up and is like, "Hey, let's fly away and go back to the barn." And then you have this big fight scene over, and Superman like awakens and is all of a sudden, thank fucking God, the Superman that every Superman fan out there, minus Andrew Sanford, sorry Andrew, <laughs> um, wants to see this hopeful like. I'm fucking. I'm. I'm hopeful, and I'm good, and like I'm. And gonna... promptly negates any tension this film may have had going for it. True, but I'm gonna say, as a Superman fan, I was like, "Thank you, fucking Christ!" Now maybe I'll get a Superman fan, that, Superman film that I can fully enjoy and not have to like justify in my mind, like I do Man of Steel. Yeah, I got, I got that, and you know, I also got. We'll talk about the end where I think Zack Snyder gave a big middle finger, or Josh Wien gave a big middle finger to Zack Snyder's Batman for Superman. Mm. So this this film may as well have been called Superman Three. Let's get some friends. Agreed. With no Superman. No. Like Twenty minutes of the film. No, no, he's in the entire film. The entire film is centered around. Oh no, we don't have Superman anymore. I guess. You're oh wait, we don't have Superman. We should find friends because we don't have Superman. Wait, you're you're coming down because there's no Kryptonian. I can't come down now because there's a, no Kryptonian. Yeah. The entire film is about the complaints of not having a Superman and how worthless everybody is because there's no Superman. And then they fight things and oh, they just get demolished because there's no Superman. And so they're and like, they okay, Superman. let's team up. Let's team up and so we can take this thing and all oh, they're battling him and oh it feels like they just might make some headway and then superman shows up say like, all right and so i'm just gonna destroy everything the end <laughs> the end which is pretty much a comic book right superman that like, is which is of course the argument against superman in the comic books as well is that oh well the the act of having a superman negates any tension What's a story can have exactly yeah. which is why you have a doomsday who can fuck up Superman. Superman. But he didn't. He didn't. He had to have a a a, uh, a kryptonite weakened uh, Superman to even stand a chance. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. Some of us really like Superman guys. Here's 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 my thing with um, you know, Superman aside, the the team building that this movie did, I thought was pretty 
pretty good, actually. It was the one arc of this mm-hmm. story that I actually really enjoyed. Was I think that Whedon, by the way. I the think it was. Avengers-like. And while I hated most of, I'd say, 99.999999% of Whedon's dialogue in this, I really enjoyed the way he brought the team together, although I think we should have had six movies before this. Yeah. I did like the small tensions, the little biting each person did with one another, the the little mistrusts here and there between one another, but sure. then in the end, realizing we have to do this together and not knowing what's going to happen in the foreseeable future. None of these people are going into this team thinking, we're going to be doing this for the rest of our superhero careers. It's like, we're doing this once and we are, you know, except for Batman, maybe, um, who wants to bring the team together uh, for good. They're all like, we're going to do this and then I'm going on my way. Yeah, I think I, that's fair. I, th- I think that was arguably the the thing that that was done well here. It, it felt very much like when these people finally did come together, that the way they did it made it feel as though they actually were coming together. Starting with that Aquaman moment where he finally joins the team in the sewers of Gotham or whatever it was, you could see them starting to have faith in each other. You can see them starting to trust. And I think that was developed and justified well. I agree that with that. Cool. I also really love the point with all that when 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 woman fucking pushes, pushes into the plane. Yeah, and everyone's like, "Yo, we'll cover for her." It was a really nice moment of being like, "Yo, Batman's still an asshole. Like, he could probably <laughs> have been more of an asshole, but like, Bruce Wayne's still kind of an asshole." Which I think Ben mm-hmm. Affleck didn't didn't really drive home enough for me as Batfleck. Though I do think he's a better Batman than I ever expected him to be. So agreed. Sure. He doesn't give a shit, but and it's sad because he he does he he is a great Bruce Wayne and Batman. I think I think he out of any of them that have played the, this role throughout their film careers, uh, he is the first to really be able to tackle both ends of it very well nuanced. It sucks that he's in these movies because it's clear <laughs> he doesn't want to be there. He was given no. a second shot to be a superhero, and this is what he has to deal with. But uh, I think he's good in Batman vs Superman. I I think he, I yeah, think no, he, he was he, great. I think he clicks with what Snyder wants, but I think Snyder wanted to make a fucking Batman movie. He did. So, see, I disagree. I don't think he clicks with what uh, Snyder wants. Okay. I mm. think he clicks with what Ben Affleck wants, <laughs> and I think the only reason he's in these films is because Ben Affleck thought he was eventually going to direct a Batman film, mm. and once he saw what being Batman meant, he didn't want to direct a Batman film. No. Yeah, or once he saw what DC and Warner Bros. wanted to do with these films, he was like, nah, bitch. Sure. So is he out? Yeah. I, I don't know this. No, he is not out. He is sending conflicting messages of like, yeah, of course I want to do the Batman film. Of course I want to be Batman. And then in another breath, he's like, well, you know, I think that I should exit Batman in like a cool way. So he might still do the standalone movie and like call it a day. Mm-hmm. Um, It'd be cool if he did a one-off. Yeah, which would be, which would be the Batman movie, right? Like, yeah, like a Logan book, type but... thing, where it's like it's technically continuity, but it's not. It's not at all. Ooh, I think that's what they're doing, though, isn't it? Isn't that kind of what's in the realm? In the I have no the... clue. I think that'd be great, though, if they did. I think that's what the guy wants to do, who's directing this Batman film. Like, it's in the contu- uh, continuity, but you won't see any other characters in it. It's just Batman. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like Aquaman and Flash, uh, I know in the Flash movie, Wonder Woman is because now she's the threat, right? They were like yo, she's really good at this role and people really like her, so we yeah. need to, like, yep. build with her. Smart, smart move. But she's, like, going to be in the Flash movie, which is having a ton of issues, too. And I'm going to assume she... I bet she's in Shazam. I would but 
put money. She's in the Shazam movie. Okay, okay, stop right there. <laughs> we just saw a Justice League movie. You have every opportunity to make incredible, incredible solo movies with each of these characters if you wanted to. So what are we going to do? We're going to bring you a Shazam movie next. Yeah, but Zachary Levi, guys, come on. What about him, Nick? Tell me what is good about this Zachary Levi. I don't see the appeal. He's such a big geek. It's like me getting to play Superman, guys. I think having a Shazam is basically like saying, you know what? We really need more Superman. (laughs) Yeah, and let's not make another Superman movie because God forbid we do that. What? (laughs) What I want to know is where's Martian Manhunter in all this? Me too. Me fucking... He's in Supergirl. That's where he's at. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. I, I agree. That is a character that I would have loved to have seen in this. Are you yes, guys... Ray's Martian Manhunter. Are you be like, Ray, Martian Manhunter, go Done. for it. Would have been great. Would have been great. Are you guys familiar with the animated uh, Justice League New Frontier? Yes. Not really. I've, I have no of it. I haven't seen it. So I Nick, watch it with my one-year-old son. It's fine. It, Whatever. It's good. It, it's, yeah. But it, it has Martian Manhunter as one of the main characters. Am I correct? Yes. Yeah. So why couldn't we have done that? Why did we have to get a small glimpse of Green Lantern and then such a weak cyborg? Give us a Martian Manhunter who can bring that extraterrestrial feel to this movie. I feel like that's kind of what they were doing with the parademons. Can I, can I bring in like the controversial take on this? And sure. You can edit me out if it's too bad. Because I think they want – they were like, well, he's black and then we have a black person who's young in the film. Okay, that's that's completely I, I think you can't do that with Martian Manhunter. Well, no, I agree with you. They can. I just think they were like, well, no, because then he's green. We wouldn't or see even, him. Yeah, or even the John Stewart Green Lantern. Like, but I think they're just afraid of Green Lantern. I think they're like that shit was a mess, so we gotta yeah. like stay away from that. But I think that might be a big part of it. They were like, we need to have some more diversity inside of this cast. That's a bunch of like white dudes essentially and one one lady yeah so um cyborg cyborg he's in teen titans right yeah he's in teen titans great well then people already know who he is do cyborg it yeah well, and they've officially promoted him up to the justice league in the comic books too yeah so right. that's probably yeah so it's but a good possibly because of the movie who knows right yeah right but still i think marshall Man- martian manhunter is as dynamic and as interesting and power sets are really cool and would have would have worked in this film really well and probably could have done a similar served a similar plot device in a lot of ways because he can shape shift like i don't know i think he'd be a better character for this particularly and i would have loved it as a comic fan like that's to me that's justice league justice league is superman batman wonder woman aquaman green lantern and martian manhunter like those are my justice league that's what i remember yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Not that they care, but yeah. <laughs> who knows? Who knows, Nick? They might be listening to this. No, they don't. It's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the last character, guys, I want to sort of talk about before we sort of wrap this up is uh, Lois Lane. Oh, oh good. I'm so glad. Good. Yeah. What do What do you guys got for me? There's honestly, there's really nothing to say. Again, problem. so underused. From from the strong character that we saw in Batman v Superman, uh, where I was just blown away by like the agency they finally gave this character. Um, they did in the Christopher Reeves movies as well. But it wasn't the same. Lois, the one they gave her in these was much better. It was much better. I agree, Nick. But then we get to this movie, and what the hell? Why did she even sign on to do this? Because it's probably in a contract. Yeah, you're right. Yep, she signed her soul away. But yeah, yeah she, she basically, I, the only reason we had her here was to make little bad Superman good Superman again. Yeah, she's plot device. Like Chris says, it's, well, Chris, can you, I know I'm I'm bogarting something we've talked about before this, 
Can you talk about your major problem with most of these movies? I think that sums it up. Like the alien. Oh, movie. sure. Yeah. Um, so my problem with most of these films in general is that there's no humanity in them. None of the DC comic books have any humanity. They're all focused around the supernatural. Um, Batman uh, or uh, uh, Man of Steel is purely an alien film. It's largely uh, about aliens who come down to Earth. For example, Superman, what makes Superman charming is that he's a human who finds out that he has superpowers because he's actually alien. But the way they present him in these films is as a uh, an alien who is battling largely against being human. You look at Wonder Woman, and she's a fish out of water. She's It's, it's largely about this Amazonian who's not actually Amazonian, but is a god. And let's really focus on that. It's about the battle of the gods. And it's not about the humans who are there. Like, they make you think it's going to be about that, but then they completely completely pervert that in the last moments of that uh of that film and the same can be said with uh uh with batman versus superman and especially in justice league mm. justice leagues i i think the biggest problem with justice league is i never felt like there was really anything at stake it felt like the only people were who were in any danger was that one small i'm gonna say russian family which look western i loved european. those moments western european family western european whatever it is i <laughs> eastern eastern I, european side yeah okay. that would be the yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i just yeah. either way my point is just like there's three human beings in that film who might have some sort of a uh, a problem if this happens you never see you like running in the street you never see people and I look, I realize it's because 90% of this film, if not more than that, is shot on a green screen. And it turns yeah. out you can't have 100, 100 extras running around on a green screen. But it, it makes it feel like there's never anything at stake. That the only people that are ever going to be heard are is that one small family. And at that point, I say, okay, I'll sacrifice you. Yeah. Sorry. That's a really good point, yeah. though, Chris, that this movie, again... Justice League, the big one with an alien enemy, we are seeing the the only threat to Earth with this right now is, like, three people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we are, we are not seeing the gravitas of what this enemy could potentially do. We're seeing a huge team of superheroes battling him. For what purpose? I know we hear about what he could potentially do, but we're not really seeing that we? play out. what happens... Nothing. Yeah, they talk about Nothing. him like turning the world into his world, like in that montage at the beginning of the film. But um, we don't see that. We don't see any no. threat except for these parademons scaring some children. Like, you know and what I mean? Scaring the guy at the beginning of the movie, you're like, really? Yeah. Um, which is I didn't even understand what was happening until it was over. That's when I knew <laughs> I was like, oh, no. Um, but it's funny because it's the exact opposite of Avengers. Right? I know we're comparing these, but you know what? God damn it. Compare them. That's what comic books are. Like, you're comparing like one... Like, who's doing it better, DC or Marvel, Disney or Fox, or Disney or Warner Brothers? And, like, when you watch the first Avengers movie, and even the second one, even though I know I probably have less problems with the second Avengers movie than you do, Ryan. I don't, Chris, I think you and I are probably close to the same page with it. Like, there there are people at risk. Like, they're, like when you watch that first Avengers, like, New York gets fucked up. And it sets a precedent, then, for all the other movies. And I think that, like, after Man of Steel, because everyone was like, yo... Superman killed a lot of people in that movie. Yeah. Warner Bros. was like, oh, well, I guess we can't. Like, we need to avoid that at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. And then they were like, so just like, like you're, you're fighting this big place where there's no 
Like, you have to save three people, and Superman saves, like, a apartment complex really quickly, which I liked. Cause that I was like funny. Superman. So I like seeing Superman save some shit because he's Superman. I never for a second believe there are people in that building, though. I believe there might be some people in that building. Superman saved them. Chris, let me have my Superman. <laughs> um, God damn it, I've waited this long. Um, I think you're right, Chris. Like, there's n- there's nothing – like, those Avenger films, at least there's things at risk, right? At least, like, when this ultimate team-up happens, like, I felt like they were fighting to fucking save something. Even if it is just a lot of Hulk smashing, yeah. they were trying to save something, right? And, like – Justice League was like, well, we're just going to fight him. We were saving something. Well, and the difference between those films, I think, um, aside from the fact that they were significant built. Like, look, the Avengers films have no real story either, but it's because they are the third act. Like, you you build up the first and second with the first uh, with the films leading up to Avengers, and then the Avengers is the big battle of the, the third act. And, I, and I'm fine with that. But the reason why you actually feel like there's stakes, like, Rand, it's only New York that's at, uh, at any risk in Avengers 1, but like you see the uh, Thor like catching giant like bricks about to fall on people you see captain america diving to save a human being and all of these people in that uh uh, in the surrounding chaos leads you to feel like oh my god people might die here whereas in justice league it's like there's a purple worm that's chasing one family and there's no other cars on the road it's not like there's a person getting out and like you never see like one of the parademons like pick up a person in the background how hard would it have been to cg a random human being that a parademon was picking up just like no yeah even if they like just uh, like sprained an ankle like give me something (laughs) give me something chris you bring up a good point that you know we have superheroes. We have this mythology of the superhero for a reason. And that is when there is no hope left within humanity, something can rise above and help us and guide us. And I think that's what's most important about any comic book, any superhero franchise. And I think that's where we're kind of losing our way. It's no longer about that. It's about, yes, it's about these characters, these superhero characters and what they go through. That's very interesting. But I think we're losing what the human condition means within all of this um i think well it's like superman so the whole one of the whole points of superman the reason why i love him is here's an alien that crashes on kansas and is raised by these older first of all i'm raised by older parents too by these older parents and he's and they do kind of touch on this in justice league but not in the way that i think it's too late like he's more human or he, I, he, he represents the idealized thing that we want to be as humans better than any of the fucking humans and you lost that. Like, yeah. he mm-hmm. would save those people. He would fly in. And, like, there's no heroics, right? Like, where's the heroics in Justice League? Yeah. Yep. I, that, that, Nick, that is a perfect way to sum it up. There there was very little heroics being done. It was – it is what but it there is. Was of, there was a lot – I will say, though, because I'm the one I think I like this the most of the three of us because mm-hmm. I, I actually chose to see it again. I still had fun at times. Like, I still enjoyed... Yeah. Like, I still liked the big booms, and I liked when, like, Superman flew in and punched Steppenwolf from the face. Um, <laughs> I liked the Batman-Wonder Woman fight. Like, there were moments where I was like, man, I really, really, really want to watch this movie. And maybe, like, if it's on TV, I'll watch it just to have some fun, because there are some fun things that happen, 
but there's nothing that makes me care or that I'm invested or that I would be like, man, I can't wait for Justice League Two, guys. Yeah. All right. Here's the deal. I, I, I you wouldn't, you can pay me. Well, maybe you could pay me, but you could not beg me if to I watch bought this you a movie free again. TV, you wouldn't go again. If I was like Chris, <laughs> no, like, no. Oh my god, like, no. I almost walked. Popcorn. If I didn't have this podcast to record, I was about to walk out in the first place. What? No. Can I? Can I just say I thought my favorite part of this film uh, was the preview for A Quiet Place. Did you guys see that that preview? Yes. Which, oh uh, my god, that looks so good. Yeah. That yeah. looks what so it, good. What if it came with a free ticket to see Avengers Infinite War? Infinity War. <laughs> okay, but then I'm not, I mean, I'll, I'll take a nap. It sounds like a great time to take a nap. Nick, Nick, that's, um, uh, oh, sorry, Chris, go ahead. But I want to I want to jump off of the Infinity War thing for one more moment. Sure. When you're done, Chris, please. Okay, so I, I, I do, look, as I said, I feel I don't like this film, but... I do want to say a couple kind things about it. And I want to say that, first of all, I thought for all of the uh, the controversy there was about the the Amazonian costume design changes, and it's justified, I will say I thought those battle scenes were terrific. Oh, I thought they the were the best amazing. scene in the film, right? Yeah. It was the best scene in the film. Oh, and I will say – and I will say that I, I did think – that in spite of all of my problems with Superman, the fact that he finally punches something that is theoretically as strong as him, I mean, clearly not, but theoretically as strong as him was kind of nice. Can I talk about, so this is a, there's one thing that, that Whedon did, I think Whedon did, I haven't got this question answered by my inside source. As much as it is a clusterfuck for a sequel, he brought Clark Kent back, because Clark Kent is Superman. Mm-hmm. And I hate, like, those are my biggest things, like, the end of that film when like you get Clark Kent, I was like, "Love it, love." I don't know how you're. I don't know how you're gonna fucking justify this, but like, fuck you, Snyder, for killing him. I don't care that you don't like Clark Kent. I do, and that's what makes him awesome. So, big middle finger, Zack Snyder. Clark Kent's back, and you can't do a good goddamn thing about it. That's good. He's forced <laughs> sure. into the corner now. If 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 there's anything I appreciate about Whedon, it's that he he's trying to raise the bar. I think for Snyder to try to fix this. I think um, Snyder's gone now, guys. I think that's I think that ship's this done. Might be oh my it. god, please, for love of God, please yeah. get rid of him. That might be it. One more thing about Justice League before we get to our final wrap up here, guys, was the after credit scenes. Now, I have to admit, <laughs> I, I I I had an emergency when I had to go see the theatrical release of this film. So I did have to do a little um well, we won't we won't go there. I watched this movie from my home. I'll put it that way. Um, you had a private screener. I had a private from... screening. Listen, you yes. know a screener, whatever. So what what I did was, guys, I watched a private screening, and I I recently got a cr- early Christmas gift from my girlfriend from Drinks by the Dram. This is a shameless plug. This is a. Uh, what is it? Uh, 25 Days of Christmas Advent Whiskey. I saw that. Ooh. And it's awesome. So, If you want to sponsor two dumb dads, I'm just saying we're looking for sponsors. Absolutely. I will send them your <laughs> later, man. And that night specifically, I was drinking uh, Buffalo Trace bourbon. So, Oh, I just uh, had that while we were talking. Oh, good. Yes, by the way. Right now I am drinking, it is called That Boutique Whiskey Company out of Ireland. Okay. Ooh. It's pretty nice. good. It's an Irish single malt. Um, let's see, two to three year, two to thirteen year old. That's a big gap. Ooh. Which is it? Um, <laughs> but I'm about fifty dollars. That's the difference. Yeah, exactly, exactly, Chris. I'm going off on a tangent here. We'll we'll have to do a whiskey episode. Um, oh, can we please okay. do a whiskey? Let's episode? talk about these. Uh, let's talk about these after credit scenes. Now, I miss okay. these. I I know what they are, but explain to me 
what what happened and where it's leading us. With oh, Chris, take the first one because you loved it. Okay, so I'll take the first one because I enjoyed it. And I'm going to be honest, I'm a sucker for this because they do it every time The Flash and Superman get together. Um, so the first, uh, the mid-credits scene is the, the, uh, the usual scene where Superman and The Flash race. And it's really charming and it's really happy. It's goddamn, it's the only happy thing that has happened in, what are we at, four DC films now? Yeah. Uh, One, two, three, four. Yep. Yeah, so it's uh, at the very end, they get together, they're sitting out in the middle of, I assume, Kansas, and they're looking both ways, both of them in costume, and they're stretching, they're getting ready to go, and they go, okay, so where, where are we racing? Uh, which coast? And they go, I've never been to the West Coast. All right. And then they race. And it's beautiful. It's charming. The banter is good. It feels like they hear each other. Mm-hmm. Ah, Whatever. But it's it's the only moment of joy and unadulterated happiness that has existed in any of the DC films, and I loved it. Do do we know who wrote that scene? I don't, but I can only assume. Yeah, it's by by the fucked up Superman face, Whedon. Okay, okay, that's how I forgot who wrote what this entire movie. Somebody well, smiles. It yeah. was Whedon. That sounds um, that yeah. sounds awesome. I want to. I, hopefully, I'll be able to see that once the Blu-ray comes out. But um, again, it's a true comic book moment. Back to the fact where I said this movie yeah. was very booky because that's like straight Chris. That's straight out of the fucking books. So okay, so our sec our end credit scene. Oh. Who who came back, guys? Give it to so, me. So I have to say that when I saw the movie, because I went opening night while we were all waiting for the scene, someone did cry out. That was the best moment of the entire movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> So oh, end, end scene is, Put that on the market. So right. I should note that one of the big things in this movie was uh, the fact that Whedon basically cut all of Jesse Eisenberg's stuff. And so people thought that Jesse Eisenberg wasn't going to be in the film. So the end scene opens up with this, like, they go to Luther's cell, and you see a bald dude who's clearly older than, you know, our current Lex Luthor. And I was like, oh, do they make Lex Luthor older? Is it going to be a different actor? Please, 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 please be a different actor. Maybe Brian Cranston's going to spin around. I'm going to be really excited. Um, But no, it spins around. It's just a crazy guy. And clearly Lex Luthor has fucking escaped his prison cell. And now there's a boat. And you see dead... Deadshot. No, wait, no. Not Deadshot. Deathstroke. 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 Deadshot. Looking just, Deathstroke looking just fucking badass walking up to this boat. And there's Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor, who finally looks like a comic book Lex Luthor. He's in a white suit and a tie on this really expensive boat. And I was like, okay, once again, I think maybe Whedon was like, guess what, guys? We're going to, I'm going to force you into a different direction with all of this. And so he's basically like, hey, we should form a league of our own. Mm. Bum, bum, bum. And I was like, fuck my life, I don't want to see that movie. It's and then the I only read, time a sequel is going to get smaller than the original. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, don't use Darkseid that you, you know, would be who you should have used to begin with or alluded to. But also I read that that's where they're going to take this, is they're going to do a spinoff that's the Legion of Doom and not Justice League. And I'm like, no one wants to oh, see great. that. Oh, great, because, you know, DC did a wonderful job with making an entire villain movie. Yeah, <laughs> no one wants to see that movie. But it did look cool. Deathstroke looked, I mean, yeah, Deathstroke right. looked great. So there's that. Yeah, he did. He looked fucking great. I saw the screenshots, yeah. Yeah. Can I just say, I'm actually a Suicide Squad apologist. (laughs) You're an apologist for Affleck and Suicide Squad. Yeah, I I, I like all the things that people hate. (laughs) 
I, I look, I, it wasn't a great movie, but what I'll say is a lot of the problems I have with the DC uh, uh, films, they didn't bother me there. It's like, yeah, there's no humanity in this film, but it's about a bunch of bad guys. Of course there's not going to be. But it's like the most sexist film of all of them. Oh, yeah, no, that was atrocious. That was really, really bad. Uh, they could have given somebody some shred of clothes, uh, some woman some shred of clothing eventually in that film, and that would have been nice. Yeah, why would you want to do that? No, no point. No point whatsoever. <laughs> I'm so happy I missed uh, that movie. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, don't. You I know, caught it on like HBO. alone and drunk one night, maybe watch it, but aside from that. Okay. Uh, well, all right, so we might be getting a Legion of Doom movie. Cool, fine, whatever. Here's what's pretty interesting, guys. We had uh, Thor... Ragnarok come out what oh, two I weeks before great. this one? Oh yeah, just just really ruined this which film. Which probably us. should have pushed back this fucking movie so it didn't have to compete with anything Marvel ever does. Exactly, Nick, Chris, and to your point too, what a fuck you to DC Marvel did with oh, this. Yeah. First of all, Thor Ragnarok, probably one of the best yeah. Marvel movies in my opinion. Hilarious, awesome, endearing, heartwarming, very comic booky space astral sort of uh, just romp i fucking loved it mm-hmm. and then i did too and then what does marvel do the day justice league <laughs> releases they drop the punisher what also, a goddamn yeah. middle finger really good so far i just yeah. finished it it's terrific it's i'm on like episode three yes. or four yeah i'm taking my time with that one it's 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 hard it's hard with everything that's going on in the world today to watch someone just <laughs> annihilate people with bullets. But you know what? But, uh, Dealing with like the PTSD thing, I was like, way to keep it topical absolutely, absolutely. And, br- and bring Punisher into like the current day. I was like, look at you, Marvel. Still not sucking. Yep. Yep. You know, they've had some hiccups, but in terms of that, like, here's here's the thing. Thor. If Thor hadn't been so goddamn funny, I think Justice League might have done a little better. I'm not gonna lie, especially with bringing Weeded in. But when you have someone like uh, uh, the gentleman who did Thor Ragnarok, his name's escaping me. Taiki Taika Waititi. Yes, Waititi. Who was yeah. who was in the Green Lantern movie, ladies and gentlemen? What? How Jordan's best friend? I did not know that. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's how the shake weight got into Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> okay. I read an article about it. That's fair. Again, brilliant writer, director, and actor. He was in Thor Ragnarok as well. <laughs> Without him having such a home run with that movie, I, I think Justice League suffered because they tried so hard to put some humor and light into this film. They've but, changed the tone of the films, I mean, in some ways. Yeah, and everyone went to see Thor, and then they went to see this, and it could not... It paled in comparison to the humor that we had just seen two weeks prior, so... And I think, Chris, you nailed the, like, there's no humanity, right? There's no humanity in these films. And so yeah. you're just kind of like, well, great, it's funny, but, like, great. So you finally made something, you try to put some quippy humor in a movie that's not working. I got more humanity from a Norse god than I got from any human superhero in Justice League. Let's put it Yeah. Here. Yeah, there's literally zero human beings in that movie, depending on whether or not you count Hulk. But it still felt more personal and more human than anything that happened in any of the DC films. And it shows you that Marvel can change tonality, completely change the tone of a film and like, whether you like that change or not, it still works. Because that director was like, I'm doing something completely different. And you were like, mm-hmm. they were like, okay, as long as you still do the things we need you to do to push forward Avengers, go for it. Right. Exactly. I have, I have one more thing. Sorry. Did anyone else notice? Like, sorry. This is <laughs> no, no. So as much as I love Weedon being like, yo, Zack Snyder, Clark Kent's back. Go mm-hmm. fuck yourself. Did anyone else notice the fact that, like, <laughs> the 
Kent's home forecloses at the beginning of the fucking movie uh-huh. after Bruce Wayne pays for Clark Kent's funeral. And then all of a sudden it takes to the end of the movie when he basically brings Superman back to like just buy the fucking bank so that their home doesn't <laughs> foreclose. Do you think that Bruce Wayne would be like, listen, paid for your son's funeral. Sorry you're losing your house. YOLO. See ya. I was just like. <laughs> Bruce Wayne would have been like, yo, I bought the house. Yeah. Don't worry about it, because you already know I'm Batman, so fuck it. Honestly, I, I was more caught up by this whole thing with Batman, where it's was like, no, you shouldn't feel like you killed Superman. No, you, you killed Superman. You literally killed Superman yeah. right before that fight. He was suffering from the kryptonite gas crab, and, and Lois goes, oh, no, but you're too weak from the Superman. And then he goes <laughs> off and gets beaten the crap out of and kills. Like, no, yeah, Batman, you literally killed Superman. Superman, own it. Yeah, yeah, you killed him. Sorry. <laughs> own that shit. All right, guys, final thought. Does the DC slash Warner Brothers franchise, do they have a future? Are we going to see more movies? And if so, are you going to see them? Chris? <laughs> I'll make I, you. Okay, I'll, I'll go first, I guess. So to start with the first question, is there a future? I, I think yes, and I think until... All of comic book movies start to decline. I I think there will always be more DC films. The question for me is whether or not they keep making them at this scale. And I think for the foreseeable future, the answer is yes. I think there's just way too much money to be made. I I don't think we're going to see a lot of the creative teams back. I think you're going to see less focus on Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck and more focus on Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa. I think you're going to see a new director. I think you're going to see a new take. I think you may even see a largely revamped uh, storyline, which I think that uh, the idea of a Legion of Doom film is largely alluding to. So I suppose in uh, in jest and 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 I should uh, I simply yes there's going to be lots more. Am I going to go see them? Uh, I'll probably see them on HBO, Netflix, wherever they go, and I'll see the the big 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 ones in the movie theater when Nick drags me to them. Nick, um, yeah, I think there is. Um, I think that I think Chris is right. I think tonality. I think. Two things are going to happen. I think you're going to see Wonder Woman be the, the the flagship of the franchise, which I think is a really smart choice. And I think DC, they hit that, right? They got that first. They were like, listen, we finally made a good, strong, Chris might debate, a good, strong female-centric lead. And like, we've got this. We've got this on lock. So we're going to run with that. And I think you're going to see them build out from there. I do think you're going to see another Superman movie because there's directors who want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Vaughn has come out and said, I want to I wanted do a Superman film, but I want to do an updated version of the Christopher Reeve film. Which, you know, Superman will in fact punch something, but then also he is still a symbol of hope, blah, 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 blah. Um, which, to all the Superman fans out there, we were like, yes, yeah. fucking right. <laughs> um, so I think that, like, as Chris said, I think as you see the Snyder creative team depart and you see these new teams come in, the Patty Jenkins, as, they, as Jeff John gains more control, yeah, I think you're going to see, yeah, you're going to keep seeing them, and I think that they might start taking... The turn, my fear is that I don't know if they can rebound. Like, if Aquaman's not good, I think you might see it start whittling down to, like, Wonder Woman and just, and, like, maybe some of these other offshoot characters like Shazam, people that are less known, they feel they can do more chances with. But you're never going to see Batman go away. He's too much of a moneymaker. Yeah. I mean, and I think <laughs> Superman, I think, is because people want to make that movie, and I think there are directors that want to make that movie 
right, I think you're still going to see them. I just don't think it until they slow down and they're like, we're going to take our time. You're just not going to see it reach the level of what Marvel's able to do. Marvel's going to be on like phase 14 yeah. and still yeah. making good movies. I agree. I, I think I think I would have to say that with DC, the future is definitely female. I think Wonder Woman is going to be the anchor for this franchise for the foreseeable future. Whether or not Ben Affleck comes back, I do see Batman also being another one. And yeah, I, I have to agree, guys. Would I pay to go see another one of these movies? Uh, I don't I will. Know. Oh, I will. I'll see them all. I see all that shit. Just throwing money at it. Uh, you know what? I mean, at the end of the day, guys, it's superheroes on the big screen. I think you make a good point, Nick. I say that now. But once those trailers come out, the hype begins. The You know, you want, you want to see these characters living and breathing. I probably will, but I'm not. And I guess that's. I'm not, you know, waiting with baby. Guys, breath. it's like Superman symbol. It's hope. I just have hope. I just, I go there with my Superman shirt and I go, it means hope. And I guess that's the point. As long as there's hope that they'll turn it around and make a better film, there's every chance we'll, we'll keep coming. Exactly. And if anything, guys, we've got Star Wars in a few weeks. Oh, God. Just, watch <laughs> just giving more of that money to the other side. That's right. Yep. Oh, <laughs> my God. Take, take all my money, Disney. Just, you know, and if, you buy, if you buy Fox and make some X-Men movies, you can have my money there, too. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm calling it now, guys. You're coming back for the Star Wars episode. Oh, please do. I'll be there with bells on. Absolutely. I can't thank you enough for coming on today for hashing out this movie with us. I really I'm looking forward to this this marriage between Third Kind Productions and Two Dumb Dads and what you guys what? got going on over there. So um, when you have any information coming out about when you're going to release that, please let me know. Any any dads out there, whether you're a veteran or a newbie, I think you'll definitely learn something. I did, and I am nowhere near having <laughs> or a kid. if yet. you just like yeah. him. I argue about shit because that's Absolutely. part of it. Yeah. yeah, most importantly, if you're a veteran dad, please uh, call in, us. listen, email us. We, we are <laughs> dying us. for any recommendation you can give us. Oh, that's perfect. Well, guys, where can we find each of you if any of the listeners want to reach out? Oh, sure. I was going to say uh, I'm cmoss55 on uh, – on uh, oh, what the hell is the big one? Twitter. On the Twitter. The and you're the Twitter? I am. I'm honestly not sure if this is the right Twitter account. I should probably <laughs> check before I see say that but yeah i'm on the twitter somewhere you can find me tweeting and twatting and whatever you do on that thing yeah so i'm kind of all over the place uh, first of all ryan thanks for having us on this very long episode yeah um, thank you you can find well me at, well <laughs> thanks buddy um you can find me on facebook uh i have my personal one i have my actor page uh instagram though that's pretty much just pictures of my, of my kid i'm on the twitterverse at n westy or n westemeyer um, and soon as we get things moving, you can find probably Chris and I both at Two Dumb Dads, which will have a Facebook group and Twitter and all that. So we're both around and, you know, we're kind of connected at the hip now, though we've been for the last 15 years. So what can I say? <laughs> yeah, we need surgery. Love it. <laughs> awesome, guys. Thank you again for coming on Somewhere Thanks, in the Skies yeah, and you. remain hopeful that DC has a future and we will speak soon. Later, dude. Thank you for having me. Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with Antica Productions and the Antica Podcast Network.
To learn more, visit AnticaProductions.com. Right, okay, yeah, here's the thing. Um, see, I'm afraid of bugs and um, guns and obnoxiously tall people and murder, and I can't be here. It's really cool, you guys seem ready to do battle and stuff, but full transparency, I've never done battle. I've just pushed some people and run away. <laughs> 